1: Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this
0: is Between the Links. And now, your host,
1: Mike Heck.
2: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAFighting.com. Thank you for checking out the program. We are audio only this week, as you can hear and probably haven't been able to see on YouTube because Casey is in Houston for UFC 265. He's also throwing out just some of the most hipster takes in terms of who is ranked where. I mean, just it's unbelievable the things that that he's been saying as of late, but uh, we will get back to Casey next week with another live edition, but we figured... Let's do a show anyways. That's what we're going to do. Coming off a crazy weekend this past weekend. There's too much to talk about. we get the aforementioned UFC 265 coming up on Saturday. Lots to discuss, and we're going to get right into it. And real quick, I know I promised you for the second consecutive week a triple threat match. Unfortunately, Jed Bishu has been under the weather. He's dealing with uh, with some nastiness, so he is out. We have ourselves a Canada versus Canada Civil War type of rematch. And let us introduce the combatants, introducing first the Prince of Positivity, the warrior of the weigh-in show, the co-host of On to the Next One, and many more accolades. Let us say hello to my best friend, Mr. Alexander Kaylee. Hello, AK.
1: Yes, uh, and look, listen, last week uh, I was the one who was unavailable for the triple threat, so I apologize. And, and frankly, I would have rather just rematch Spencer one-on-one. I did not... I thought a triple threat was a cool idea, but I was like, no, this is this is not resolved between us. We don't need to add in another element just yet. So, Mike, I'm glad you did the right thing and rebooked this matchup. You, you, you this this is the way to go. The triple threat, the triple threat will come. All right, I'll kick, I'll kick him and Jen, whoever, but anytime. But today, I want another shot. Just tete a tete a Vic, E. Spencer.
2: There you go. And now he's looking to make it three straight wins. Dare I say, he has put himself in the conversation for BTL Panelist of the Year, trying to keep the MMA fighting crew out of the win column. We welcome back the hardworking man from UFC.com. He's got his own website and just a whole bunch of other things. Mr. E. Spencer Kite. How are you, sir? I'm
3: doing well. I'm, I'm glad Alex is back. I mean, I, I said when I when I whooped his ass the first time, but as often as he wanted to do this, I would play the poirier to his McGregor, going forward. So I'm glad you're back. I'm I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're healthy. Glad you're feeling better. I'm glad you look rested, and you're you're ready to get this beating again.
2: Ah, oh, A.K. just just waiting to do his talking in the uh, in the audio ring here. He'll do. He makes you'll his, his a, hot
1: takes. I'll do effing nothing. I'll do a for none. <laughs>
2: Uh, It was just the Wi-Fi thing. All right, well, let's get into this thing. Let us begin with the biggest story from this past weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. AJ McKee, clearly the biggest story. Starches, Patricio Pitbull in the main event of Bellator 263. It's almost like he finished the man twice in a matter of seconds. Hurt him on the feet. Nasty kick. Dropped him. He thought the fight was over. Referee's like, what are you doing, dude? Patricio gets up. AJ smacks on the guillotine, and the fight is over. He becomes the Bellator Featherweight Champion. He wins the Grand Prix, wins a million dollars. AK, let's just start here. It's good to be AJ McKee right now, is it not? It's
1: great to be AJ McKee. I think it's pretty good to be bellator some might argue differently because this gives mckee some leverage that uh may actually work against bellator in the future but i think for the the most part this event was uh i know we're asking just about mckee but i you know he's so directly tied to its success i think his success uh was good for the good for the company as a whole uh even if again we don't know how much how much longer he's going to be there but uh you know I, know, I know the TV ratings came out. It didn't look great to people. But again, there's, you know, things to take into account, which, uh, you know, in X amount of households and, uh, you know, the UFC is an X amount of households and so on, so on, so, on, so forth. Uh, this was huge. This was this was answered a lot of questions. This is the, the most homegrown guy, I think, that uh, that Bellator's ever had. Yes, we've had Michael Chandler. We've had Pitbull himself. But this guy is literally 18 and 0 as a pro all in Bellator. Uh, has been super hyped from day one of course the son of antonio mckee highly revered um all these stories about what this kid would be someday and to see him actually become it it's pretty rare in mma that we see them we see a fighter ascend to that mountaintop so perfectly on their on their first try so to speak uh and he absolutely did it um it's it's reminiscent frankly of like a conor mcgregor ronda rousey he's nowhere near that level of star power but if you want to talk about these kind of these narratives we painted for these um, for these future stars before they even made it, this guy lived up to that hype. It was an awesome performance, a little bit of controversy with the stoppage, maybe, but not 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 so much that I think it overshadowed anything. There's room uh, for a rematch. which will also be good for him, I think. Sky's the limit. I know it's a cliche to say, um, but uh, it's never even been more true with him. I know people have been saying that for a long time, but it's never been more true with Asian McKee. And it's a shame that um, I feel like, again, this is a big hit for Bellator. Uh this might be the end of the ufc as we know it uh you know spencer of <laughs> course i i didn't i want i didn't want to say it right away but i mean you know spencer obviously works spencer i'm, I'm sorry you meant to look for a new job uh i think this is the worm has turned and Beltor is now ready with this, this with this star is now maybe to ready to ascend to the number one promotion in in, in the world so uh, my condolences sir really wow
2: so we go to you spencer We we talked about what was best for business on the show? An AJ McKee win or a Patricia Pitbull win? It was over. I mean, it was just a resounding, obvious answer was AJ McKee because it opens a lot more doors. You have all these options, and he becomes an you know, an even bigger star than you know he may have looked like coming in. And the way he portrayed himself on Saturday, Spencer, like just the walkout, the reaction he got, like to me, he oozed star. Like he was the star of the show. What did you think of his performance and just like his overall demeanor on Saturday night? Because it looked like. He's getting ready to take a walk in the park as opposed to getting into a fight with Patricio Pitbull.
3: I want to start by going back to last week and, and acknowledging Jed's terrible takes that we saw <laughs> play out just horribly when we discussed this. One, he said Pitbull was gonna run through AJ McKee. Totally didn't happen. Exact opposite, in fact. It couldn't have been any different than Jed forecasted. Two, he got angry when I said people would be discussing who is the best featherweight in the world and where does AJ McKee fit in that pecking order? And lo and behold, here we are, me with a title belt over my shoulder, (laughs) discussing just that in the opening segment of my second successful title defense coming up. So shouts to Jed, get well soon, come back with your terrible takes and I'll beat you again whenever you're healthy. (laughs) As for AJ McKee, I mean, you said it. He looked, this was the star making kind of performance the Bellator wanted, needed, and that frankly, a lot of people expected. I mean, as Alex said, he is a the, the epitome of a homegrown talent, 18-0 in that division, been the guy we've been waiting for and watching throughout his career climb these ranks and make that step-by-step progression to get to this point. He reveled in the moment going out. He's always been, he's always shown that Ability to be an entertainer And that showmanship side of things His father was like that When when he was competing as well So that wasn't unexpected The fact that it was a hometown fight Certainly made that Even more Stand out even more As he comes out at the forum And and gets the big pop And Pitbull gets booed And he's, you know Rattling off the money and, And just has a blistering performance This is everything Bellator could have wanted And it puts AJ McKee at least on the radar for people that weren't paying attention to Bellator or maybe didn't fully understand how good this kid is, that he goes out and he is the person coming out of last weekend that all of us are talking about and talking about in terms of where does he fit in terms of both this division that's great and the, the collection of young stars, sort of under 30 stars in this sport, where he's got to be at or near the top of that list as well.
2: Well, let's talk about that list, because you predicted it. We might as well follow through with it, because it is a big talking point. We, I think a lot of us knew that it would be, but I don't think a lot of people thought that A.J. McKee was going to go in there and just crush Patricio Pitbull in less than two minutes. They thought maybe we'd get to a second round, maybe a third, maybe A.J. wins the decision, but I don't think anybody expected that to happen, and it did, and it was just so impressive. Like w- We would be debating, like based on how impressive it was, like where he would fit in this global 145 pound landscape and he's definitely in the discussion for pound for pound right now he's definitely in the discussion as the best 145 pounder in the world where would you put him right now spencer is eight like are you willing to say right now that aj mckee is the best featherweight in the world i'm not
3: i i'd certainly put him top five um but it might just be number five And and this is always going to be the challenge and the struggle with this, right? I know you guys updated your global rankings this week. He's at number three currently um, behind Alex Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. The the only two guys that I would, you could maybe make a case for deserving to be ahead of him, just based on overall kind of strength of schedule from that next group would be Brian Ortega and, and the Korean Zombie. But I certainly don't have huge objections to AJ McKee being number three I think it's really difficult to argue him being number two or number one just because of what we've seen from those two guys that are ahead of him currently both from their two amazing fights and also Max's overall history in the UFC and the fact that Volkanovsky's undefeated in the UFC but he is he is absolutely a top five featherweight and he's just kind of starting to scratch the surface like he's 26 years old this is a guy that's going to be in this conversation and, and maybe at the top of that division globally very soon. And so if you want to object to them not being higher, cool, fine, make your case. Three, the three to five range makes sense to me, but it's three to five with so much potential and most likely going to be number one and probably for a long, long time in the not too distant future.
2: AK, you are the rankings man. Like, I know we have these global rankings, but we do on to the next one, and these mystery rankings that you have developed over the years always get brought up, and no one gets to really see these rankings. I get to kind of get a glimpse of where, where your head is at with, with with your rankings, but let me ask you this, AK. Are you willing to say that AJ McKee is the best featherweight in the world? I know we have some panelists in our, in our group that are willing to say that. Are you one of those people who are willing to say, you know what? Screw it. AJ's AJ's the man right now. He's the number 1 145 pounder on the planet.
1: I'm willing to say it is not ridiculous in the slightest now to suggest that he is on even competitive ground with the two featherweights who I do have ranked above him technically, Alexander Volkanovski and Max Holloway. I'm if we're just talking odds here, I think, oddly, uh, if he fought Holloway, it would be more likely that Holloway would be a favorite over him than Volkanovski. Um, there's a lot of Volkanovski disrespect. There always has been. I believe he was the underdog, obviously, in the first fight with Holloway and going to the rematch, um, which which, again, yeah, somewhat reasonable. Holloway has, has one of the strongest resumes ever at 145 pounds, so I understand that. It was almost... They almost disrespected the the champ in uh, Volkanovsky to pay respect to the long you know the longer reigning champ. So there was some logic there, and I think uh, with how hot AJ McKee's name is right now, I actually think, and I, I will go I will say this I think he would be slightly favored, were he to be matched up with Volkanovsky. I think there's a, there's a there's that undefeated tag that McKee has. There's again the uh, a term I hate to use in sports, but it goes a lot into uh, betting momentum. There's a career momentum um to uh to mckee right now he's young he's there there's a, a quality a mysterious quality of, of how good could he be could he be even better than what he showed during this in, insanely successful uh grand prix run holloway again i think because he's such a fan favorite i actually think he'd be probably open as like a two to one favorite over mckee but i bet the line would move and, and, I, and he'd be a uh, McKee would be a very healthy underdog in that situation so like I said number three for me um, I would have him ahead some of the contenders in the UFC but uh, it's hard it, comparing Bellator resumes with UFC resumes is difficult I, I acknowledge that um, I don't think there's any way to definitively say that uh, the guys he beat in Bellator are better than the guys that Brian Ortega beat in the UFC Shang Jong, anyone else you know in the top 10 at featherweight and of course Holloway and Volkanovsky but I think it's comparable. I think if people really look at his resume they'll be like, these are, these are really good fighters he beat. And the fighters he was supposed to wipe out, he wiped out. So he made uh, if his if his competition is considered inferior in Bellator, he made them look inferior to him. So I'm not going to go higher than number three, but as far as the question is would I, would I put him number one? I, I, I think he can compete for that number one spot and nobody would be surprised if he won a fight against Holloway or Volkanovski. And that's A crazy thing to say, (laughs) almost.
2: Last thing on this before we move on. It seems, I mean, he said it leading into the fight. He said it coming out of the fight. It seems clear with what AJ wants to do now. He wants to go up to 55. He wants to stop cutting to 45. He wants to fight Patricio Pitbull again. Wants to become a two-division champion. A.K., while Bellator does some things very well, and... I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. We're going to talk about things that they don't do well later on in the program as well. But if you're Bellator, do you go to that well immediately? Do you go right back to the rematch due to 55? Or do you maybe give AJ another fight at 55? Maybe he fights his brother first, give Patricio another fight, try to build his confidence back up. Like, how should Bellator handle these two gentlemen moving forward after this past Saturday?
1: I wish, uh, I wish he could stay at 145, but I'm also against unnecessary weight cutting so if he's felt feels he's proven everything he's had to at 145 and he has beaten many of the top featherweights i have no problem with him not defending it um i i'm i'm pretty critical of guys not defending of course conor mcgregor having two belts never defended it that's something that's never sat well with me and a large portion of the fans so that's certainly would ding um you know aj mckee's reputation to some uh but i think he's i think he's right i think 155 is probably better for him if he if he doesn't need to drain himself why should he uh and I would love to see a tournament. I would love to see another tournament, not 16 men, so not quite as long as the, uh, the Featherweight tournament. You go eight men so th- and guarantee yourself at least three more AJ McKee fights. I believe the understanding is that uh, with the champions, by, by, by becoming champion, he, he owes Bellator three fights, something like that. I, um, either way, they, they want to keep him around. They want to keep him booked. And it's going to be at 155. You do the tournament. You throw Patricia Pitbull in there as well. So you're kind of rolling the dice that you end up with the rematch you want. Um, but if you don't get it, Hopefully, it's a McKee. At least McKee makes it to the final and gets a you know kind of cements himself as as the uh, and faces whoever it is that takes the belt from Pitbull during the tournament, and that's how he gets the belt. So I love the idea of a tournament. Um, I'm a little bit cooler on an immediate rematch. I could see it happening. It makes sense. But for me, if you said if I was in charge, eight man tournament, McKee and Pitbull again, and uh, cross your fingers that we get that. I mean, that
2: makes so much sense but for me like I want to see it I want to see the next Grand Prix at 135 but that's just me being selfish and you know thinking about what I would want but Spencer what do you think happens like do you agree with AK like next Grand Prix they just jump right into it at 155 throw McKee and Pitbull right back into another Grand Prix or do you think they go a different direction with these guys
3: no I think you do the rematch at 55 you do it you know four to six months down the line you build to it Um, you make it the headlining event of a the headlining fight of a really big card you build you build your own momentum to this you get some other title fights on there you close out the year in style with this fight that we all want to see up a division we get the rematch but it's also a, a different championship fight and part of that is just what else is there at, at lightweight right now what's the appeal of Patricio Pitbull fighting Sydney Outlaw after he's coming off this fight against AJ McKee, where everybody comes away from it, wanting to see that rematch. To put these, to separate these guys, even for one fight is crazy. So to put a Grand Prix between them to me is, is just wild thinking because it just stretches things out. And and as AK said, you maybe don't end up with the fight that you want, which then, I mean, that's a very Bellator thing to do, but, don't you want, like everybody wants this fight and you're going to maybe stick 18 months in between it where it's still a crapshoot and and you got to hope everything breaks right again like it just did this time. Like we saw the best case scenario, the chances of best case scenario happening again in another Grand Prix and in a Grand Prix where Bellator doesn't have the kind of names that are really going to be super compelling like. Sure, I would watch A.J. McKee against some of these veteran guys that they have in that division. But is it as interesting to me as a as a rematch at 55 against Pitbull? Absolutely not. So give me that fight, but give me some time to build to it, some other big fights on that card. Have a year-end blowout, whether you do that in partnership with Ryzen and just have a monster show, or you do it on your own and just build to some of these other championship fights. I think you have to run this back. Because it's the one fight again, that Bellator has that everyone is interested in, and so you can't just you can't take the risk that you don't get it somewhere down the line. You
1: don't you don't you don't want to see Islam Mamadov just knock out AJ McKee like in the second round and just like ruin the whole thing. No, but I think that'd be I think that'd be amazing. No,
3: I mean I love chaos and and from a like just pure wildness, the ridiculousness of Bellator, sure. But if you're Bellator. You are, you are driving forward, you are protecting these dudes in bubble wrap, driving them to and from everything they do in like a guarded transport system to get them to a rematch for the 55 belt somewhere later this year.
2: And AK, let's just throw this out there. Islam Mamadoff is not knocking anybody out. He's just taking you down and laying on you for 15 minutes and then getting a I decision said, he didn't deserve.
1: I said knocking off. I said knocking off. Uh, knocking I thought you said knocking
2: off. out. Knocking knock out, out would
1: be even more <laughs> insane. I stand I, I corrected.
2: Chaos. Yes, that that would be the most chaotic thing ever. A guy who just doesn't knock people out just knocks out AJ. <laughs>
1: spinning, spinning back fist <laughs> knockout.
2: <laughs> now, that would be insane. But, I mean, listen, I, I think we'll all remember this past weekend. I mean, it was just an amazing performance from McKee. It was a great moment for him. And I'm really interested to see where he is at two or three years right now. from right now. Like, is he even in Bellator? Is he in the UFC? I mean, and I don't want to talk cross-promotional dream fights here because it's never going to happen with the UFC unless somehow McKee just signs with them. Uh, so we'll just go ahead and move on and, and talk about what happened inside the Octagon this past Saturday. But the point for round number one in this Canada versus Canada matchup goes to Spencer Kite.
1: He's on the board. He's one to nothing. It's a solid round. Gentlemen, I'm Mike, digging it. Mike, what is wrong with you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That slipped out. I, apologize. Uh, <laughs> I out. Let's move on. You're supposed to I, mute. I, my, I was supposed to mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought I was muted. I was, yeah, I'm sorry.
0: It was really, this was a really good round. Yes. Make sure you hit The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. Mute, but let us
2: talk about Let let, let us go to the other big story Let us talk about the UFC's middleweight division And the record-setting Statistical, that's the word I'm looking for Performance from Sean Strickland Who just unleashed hell Volume, unleashed an effective In-your-face smothering style And your eye hall knew it was coming and he had no answers for it. It was just one-way traffic from start to finish in the main event of UFC Vegas 33. Strickland now has five straight wins, four of those since returning Spencer to 185. Just booked a big fight, and we'll touch on that in a moment, but Spencer, what did you think of Sean Strickland's performance? How impressed were you with what he put together over those 25 minutes?
3: I mean, pretty impressed. Like, this is clearly the biggest win of his career. It's Kind of a a similar performance to what we've seen from him since coming back where it's just that kind of marauding style coming forward sticking the jab in people's faces and just kind of wearing them out with volume and and a, a gas tank that he's one of those guys that he doesn't put a a wild pace on you but it's just so consistent that you never really get the chance to catch your breath there's no breaks and so to me it's it's a tremendous performance as you said four straight since coming back from the injury and, and moving back to middleweight. Shouts to Brennan Fitzgerald for getting that out there early in the broadcast, that he started his career at middleweight, my, my sticking point that I love to point out. It was, it was the kind of win he needed to get over the stuff we talked about last week of great he bit, beat Christoph Yotko. Like Uriah Hall, and, and he said it going in, Uriah Hall is a gatekeeper, didn't mean it detrimentally, I use the term a lot because I don't I don't look at it with that negative connotation that a lot of people do it just means you're you're where you are and there's absolutely nothing wrong with being the ninth best middleweight in the UFC for a number of years that means you're really damn good and there's a lot of dudes that would like to trade places with you and Sean Strickland showed that he's a little bit ahead of that he's a little bit better than that how far better how much better how far he can go that's kind of the fun part of this right now is just seeing, can he do those same things where it's not, he, he doesn't show necessarily the power to get you out of there. He's not coming with anything fancy or flashy that's gonna like catch you off guard and get you out of there in a hurry. But he's also finished Brendan Allen during this run. And so how far can he take this? And and we're gonna get to find out here later on this year when he, when he has that fight with Luke Rockhold, which, maybe doesn't tell us anything and we'll get to that but this this performance last weekend was exactly what he needed and and impressive to me
2: ak what did you think like did you walk away from ufc vegas 33 thinking you know what that Sean Strickland, loudmouth fella who likes to talk in his fights and say crazy things. This is a legit title contender that we're watching right now. Do, do you feel like you're like, I feel like with Kevin Holland, he was just winning fights and his personality shown and, you know, people were ready to throw him into a title fight like at the end of the year. Like if he beats Jacare, throw him into a title fight, get him right in there with Izzy. Do you, Do you have any sort of the same feeling with Sean Strickland with this run that he's on right now after getting five straight wins?
1: I'm, I'm pretty I, – I think I'm on record and on most of our shows that we've talked about. Uh, Sean Strickland is – and, and I, I think Spencer will appreciate this, that, like, I was very much uh, on the Strickland bandwagon, as I was on the Uriah Hall bandwagon, by the way. Uh, Uriah Hall bandwagon, by the way. which was probably why I was so invested in this main event uh, more so. and I. I Again, Spencer, I think I didn't like people saying this was like a throwaway main event. I understood. The, I understood the criticisms on the card. Don't get me wrong. I, I right. still. It turned out to be a, a really good card. Um, I I didn't think on paper it was a great card, but the main event I always thought was an intriguing main event. I didn't understand people saying, "Well, neither of these guys are ever gonna." I was like, "No, if I think if Uriah all wins, he continues the best streak of his uh, uh, stretch of his UFC career." And absolutely could have contended. And if Strickland wins, then he's the real deal. Uh, again, I'm the prince of positivity. I was I was just kind of looking at it. Uh, you know, how could it benefit both guys? Um, so yeah, I was not. Uh, you know, come Sunday morning, I wasn't like, wow, I can't believe everyone's talking about Sean Strickland now. I'm like, I'm like, no, this is the logical outcome, especially given his performance. Which again, I thought I picked Hall. I thought Hall had uh, was at the stage of his career where he's kind of like matured and he could he could uh, wouldn't fall into some of the pitfalls that he's that he he's gone into before. And it wasn't the case. He he got beat. He got beat by a better fighter. Um, uh, I hope uh, uh, Uriah Hall. I kind of I kind of like flippantly um, tweeted something like you know uh, well I've 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 been fooled again by the Uriah Hall. You know, uh, story. But I mean, again, that's that's just sort of like saying uh, we've had expectations for him for so long. I, I I don't think he needs anyone to tell him. But I think when he looks back on his career, he's had a very good career. Um, and I hope uh, I hope he doesn't become this sort of like cautionary tale. Like, oh, Uriah Hall, someone who was never quite like good enough to to you know make it to the titles. Like, that's a lot of fighters. That's a lot of fighters who who Spencer said uh, wish they could be that successful. But focusing on Sean Strickland, I'm telling people, do not count this guy out as someone who could not only uh compete for the ufc title like i i think uh, this is recency bias i think he could really give someone like israel adesanya a really good fight i really do there's there's shades i think i'm not the first person to make this comparison there's shades of a michael bisping michael bisping for the longest time got criticized oh he's he's a volume guy he doesn't have that one punch knockout power he won a ufc title he won a easy tell. He was a contender for a long time. Will, Strick- Will Strickland follow that path? I don't know. He's got the mouth as well. He's a different kind of trash talk than the Bisping is, but he's certainly not afraid of the microphone. So my my big takeaway is uh, if anyone was sleeping on Sean Strickland before, I don't know why you would be now, if, especially if you watched that fight and not just saw the result. If you actually watched that fight, you should say this guy has the potential to be a top five uh, middleweight by the end of the year. So less than a week after
2: this victory, A.K. Sean Strickland already has his new opponent. He will face former middleweight champion Luke Rockhold in November at UFC 268. The fight has been verbally agreed to, and this fits, if you watch my interview with Rockhold from a few weeks ago, this fits essentially all the criteria that Rockhold wanted to check off on the old clipboard there. I want an exciting guy who's on a streak, who's in the top 10, who gets me out of bed, and it's on a big card, I mean right now we don't know if it's on a big card. I mean UFC 268 a pay-per-view is great. We don't know what the world's going to look like. We don't know if MSG is going to be the spot at this point with everything mm-hmm. going on right now, but there seems to be some differences of opinion to put it mildly between these two guys. <laughs> so now we have a little bit of a, a little bit of a some some heat going on as as the kids like to say. So was this the fight you would have gone with? Like, I know you had your pick on 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 to the next one. Maybe a couple of days settled. Maybe you heard my glorious answer that the journey I took you on, and maybe <laughs> oh, your mind Lord. changed. But uh,
1: what are your thoughts on this matchmaking now that it's made? Mike, I will give you your flowers on our podcast. All right, this Sunday, on to the next one every Sunday and Monday. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I I when when the point was made and some listeners brought it up as well, I totally under I totally understood it. It made a lot of sense. Uh, Rock Holt. Rockhold coming back, right, wanted a ranked guy. Uh, I think my argument was I feel like Strickland is like beyond that matchup, but if I'm if I'm being honest, from a name value standpoint, Rockhold still has is still a top 5 name, even if he he's I don't think he's a top 5 fighter at 185, but he is well known. You know, there there's a level of fame there that that Strickland would want to benefit from. More so, there's a great clash of personalities here. Strickland I think fancies himself sort of this, I'm a down to earth, all I want to do is fight. I want to, I don't want to quote him, but I would like to. He would like to inflict some intense violence on another human being in the cage, uh, to to an extreme point. Feel you guys can find the quote. It's a very very <laughs> nasty quote. So there, he is he he is a fighter's fighter. I think that is at least, or at least how he views himself, how he positions himself, as opposed to like a Luke Rockhold, who I think we view, we can all agree, is a bit of a glory boy. He's got modeling contracts. He, you know, he's has this. He's always exuded this this. Uh, High school senior jock confidence that that I, I would say many of us uh, you know can't can't relate to. Um, so there's a great oil and water uh, meshing of personalities there. So so I love that aspect of it. I'm dreading the trash talk a little. I'm not gonna lie. I think the trash talk will just be bad. Uh, maybe bad in a funny way, but just bad. But that's not something the matchmaker should worry about. All the other uh, aspects of of this matchup making sense. I think they've checked off correctly. So, kudos, kudos to uh, to everyone at the UFC for and uh, and to Hall. Uh, excuse me, to Strickland and Rockhold for getting this done.
2: Spencer, this is not Luke Rockhold versus Darren Till. It's Luke Rockhold versus Sean Strickland. Was this the right piece of business in your eyes?
3: It is a terrific, stupid fight to me. It is, as you said, you know the the name brand guy in Luke Rockhold that can elevate. Sean Strickland, in terms of that casual audience that still very much remembers Luke Rockhold, still thinks of him, it still carries him in high regard, despite the fact that when this fight takes place, he will be 37. He will be, I think, four years or five years removed from his last victory. Like, it hasn't been good in a long fight that everybody gets really excited for. He's been knocked out in, in each of his last two fights in the second round. He hasn't fought in over two years by the time this fight takes place. So it's one of those weird ones to me that, as AK said, like I kind of feel Sean Strickland Strickland is beyond this. There are other guys, more active guys that make sense, but that's why it's perfect for him. Like you want to give me a former champion who's coming off the sidelines and has had a bunch of injury issues and has had some, you know, maybe the motivation isn't there kind of issues over these last couple of years and let me go out there and and put it on this guy to to vault myself really into that top five and into that championship mix. Absolutely, and for Rockhold it makes sense because as you said, everything he mentioned to you of of what he's looking for, Strickland fits that bill. And then we do have, Ak really is the Prince of Positivity, the way he described each of those guys and the things they've said about each other and the way they carry themselves was the most like Disney spin version of that possibly. Sean Strickland is a sociopath. Uh, He is not a, you know, I just blue collar down home. I just want to fight. He's a lunatic. He wants to live out in the wilderness, have a truckload of guns and have no one come near him ever. And if you do, he wants the right to beat the ever loving hell out of you. And as he said in his little, you know, hey, Luke Rockhold, I hear you talking smack about me and I'm going to smack you up. Luke Rockhold is smug. I love Luke Rockhold. I have a great relationship with Luke Rockhold. He's a smug dude. That's just how he carries himself. It's, it's the, the high school senior star athlete on just absolutely to the highest volume possible, like five years removed from graduating high school and still coming back to tell you how awesome he is. And I get it, I love it. It's why, it's why I said off the top of this. This is a terrific, terrible matchup that I cannot wait for. And I just like, this is that chaos ladder matchup that I am, I am looking forward to at the end of the year. Cause whatever happens, the build is gonna be just disaster, like so cringe worthy in terms of what these two idiots say to each other. It's gonna be amazing. I cannot wait. It makes not a lot of sense, but all the sense in the world. It is circled on my calendar already, and I just get it to me now.
2: I actually like, I fought for this fight. I thought the winner of Uriah Hall versus Sean Strick was going to, f- was fighting for the Luke Rockhold championship. Like, the winner was going to fight Luke. It just <laughs> made all the sense in the world because I mean, just look at the rank, like Whitaker, Costa, Cannonier, Vittori, Brunson, Till, Gastelum, all those guys are booked right now, every single one of them. So you only have Jack Hermanson and you have Luke Rockhold. Beating Jack Hermanson is, is, is fine. He's ranked number six, gets you up. But in terms of how people view you, Luke Rockhold is the much bigger name. You get much more of a rub beating Luke than you do Jack Hermanson in the eyes of most fans. So that's why I like the matchup. That's why I thought it makes sense. And now you throw in the the, the potential of MSG and on this big car, because you know the
1: UFC is going to stack the deck. But we'll see what happens. We're going to move. Mike, my guys want to say, I've been so talked into this matchup. I think it's the like Because we've had some... I think over the past couple of years, with all the Rockhold come, various Rockhold uh, comeback talks, we've, 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 we felt like we had the perfect matchup. For the longest time, it was like Rockhold Anthony Smith. We we're like, oh, it's perfect, it's perfect. They don't like each other. It would have to be a light heavyweight, so maybe not great for Luke. But at the time, we're like, whatever. That's Luke probably doesn't want to cut weight anyway. Good, good matchup for him to come back. Um, and then it was, uh, and then it was Luke Rockhold and like Oh Wideman rematch. You know, people are like, well, why not a Luke Rockhold Wideman rematch? Like we're like, okay, that's always that's always something people are going to be interested in. And at the time I that, okay, maybe that's a little better than the Anthony Smith rematch back in 185. It's, a, again, it's a rematch of a championship fight, unanswered questions. What if Wyman hadn't slipped? But that never materialized either. And looking back on now, I'm like, okay, for both guys, maybe that wasn't the best matchup. Now it feels like we have fallen into the perfect matchup. The timing is just right. So maybe it's good that Luke didn't come back earlier um, and, and that this, this he, you know, he didn't know all along that Sean Strickland was was the man who had to work his way up to this level uh, and get this fight. I'm not a believer in destiny or fate or any of that stuff, Mike, but it, it does feel like this is, of those three matchups I just mentioned, this is the best one, the best possible one for Luke Rockhold. And that's pretty exciting.
2: I can't wait for our friend Jessica Crystal Crew's crystal guide to victory no. for this fight. And I know AK no. is going to put her notifications on uh come UFC 268 fight week uh could be at MSG plans may be changing with the new state guidelines I'm sure you've seen it but we're going to move to a state where there are very few guidelines we're going to head to Texas (laughs) with question number three the point for round number two goes to the prince of positivity Mike AK your wisdom as always impeccable oh man look at this I
1: I challenge anyone to ever question your decision making. You are such a you're such a fair man. You're such a wise and fair man. I
2: know we have listeners out there who can clip off certain things that AK says. I think we need to get AK's reaction to every single point that I've given in his mm-hmm. career on this program. I
1: don't. I don't see why we would. No,
2: it, that doesn't seem it, like it, any.
3: It, it seems to change depending on
1: how that score comes out. Yeah.
2: I think the prince of positivity will become the prince of inconsistency very quickly. Uh, I, again,
1: I don't know where this is coming from, guys. This is really <laughs> confusing.
2: Well, round three, because UFC 265 is coming up this Saturday in the beautiful city of Houston, Texas. The UFC's got to crown an interim heavyweight champion. Exactly what the world wanted. Less than six months after Francis Ngannou became the undisputed champion, look, the, I've I've come to I, I've I've come to peace with this whole thing. It's a glorified number one contenders fight that's going to be five rounds. Derek Lewis gets his hometown fight, and both guys are going to make more money. So I'm fine with it at the end of the day. But Derek Lewis got to take on Cyril Gantz. Good fight. Lewis gets the hometown rub. Gann gets the chance to play spoiler in just his tenth professional fight. So, A.K. We're going to begin with you here. On a scale of one to ten. How excited are you for this fight specifically,
1: not the event as a whole? This fight specifically. Solidate. Solidate. That that's where I would be if this was positioned as like a a three a three round co-main on a pay-per-view or a three round co-main on a on a on a. Well, this would have to be a main on even on a fight night. But let's say there was some stacked fight night where somehow this ended up as just a three rounder. I'd still be excited. The two rounds. Extra rounds make it a little more interesting, depending whether you think uh, it'll be a gone decision win or a Lewis early you know, KO win or a late Lewis KO win. Anyway, the more the more Derek Lewis, the better. So uh, it raised my level of excitement a little bit, but not beyond an eight. And the interim title doesn't, uh, for me, doesn't add or take away anything from it. I'm glad that this likely means both guys are getting paid more. We've discussed in the past, though, why not just pay them more for anyone that's put in the main event? But whatever. If that's how the UFC wants to work right now. That's fine. Um, but I, I I mean, any Derek Lewis fight, I think, like starts at a seven. I can't remember the last time there was a Derek Lewis fight where I was just like, oh, no, I don't care. It's like, no, it's Derek Lewis. His fights, his fights are great. And I'm a big Gunn fan. I, I know uh, uh, some people, his sort of more methodical heavyweight striking style isn't to everyone's cup of tea. But for me, it's extraordinary uh and, and it's become a cliche at this point how he looks like a friggin lightweight or like a welterweight out there the way he moves the way he's the, the things he's able to do the, the, people can criticize him being for being a tactical fighter all they want there are just a lot of heavyweights who cannot fight like he does who i'm sure would would love to be as technical as fast as agile so that's same to me we just mentioned with the strickland rock holding the clash of styles the clash of personalities you got this again Derek Lewis, the master of swanging and banging, versus Ciryl Gunn, super technical, super calm. And when they when they smash in the cage, I I don't know where it's gonna go, and that's great. That that is the makings of a of a fun of a fun matchup. Uh, the t- trash talk, I assume, you know, mostly cordial. I think we'll see at the press conference today. It'll probably be uh, uh, some jokes, some jokes and having around things like that. So, I, I I that part of it is you know not a story, but that's okay. I don't want to see Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon like trying to hate each other. They seem like two guys who are from very different backgrounds who would somehow find a way to get along if they weren't about to step into a cage and beat the living crap out of each other. So, uh, hard eight, man, and I think that's—I think that's uh, a good. Th- I don't think that's something people should complain about. I think that's a, that's a, makes for a good main event.
2: AK is at a hard eight, Spencer. Are you there? Are you higher Are you low? Where are you at?
3: I'm higher. I'm at a ten. I don't. Whoa! All the, all the things that AK said, like. I agree with completely and it makes me wonder what this fight is missing for it to to not get a 10 like as he said every derrick lewis fight must watch gotta see it he is the guy that we talk about all the time about puncher's chance but he's the guy that right up until the very last second so he can lose he he can pull an a diaz here and lose 24 minutes of this fight land one shot and turn the whole thing around and walk away with a win the difference being he would actually finish as opposed to Nate just pointing and still losing the fight convincingly. And he's facing a guy that can go out there and, and just pick at him for, for 25 minutes, but also has those abilities to finish. And we saw submissions from Cyril right out of the bat, right out of the gate, right? Like he's a guy that's gone out there and, and got a heel hook on Dante Almeyes in his second fight. Who, like what heavyweights are doing these things? This is, like, to me, this is such a compelling fight, not only because of all the different permutations and things that factor into what transpires Saturday night, but what transpires on Sunday morning and going forward. Because we're either going to see the, like, the roof is going to come off Toyota Center when Tops Drop starts playing and Derek Lewis starts walking out to Fat Pat. Always happens. I've been there for it live once, and it was when Derek wasn't even... At that point, it was his win over Victor Pesta, and they still went nuts. So it's just like, imagine how bonkers it's gonna be now that he's the absolute favorite son of the city. But like, if he wins, even more chaos, even more crazy. And then we've just got these wonderful options, no matter how this plays out, of either the rematch and and hopefully a much better version of Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou, or we get an undefeated Serial Gan taking on a guy that he trained with, a guy that he's familiar with, a guy that was sort of the, the first version of him at the MMA factory under Fernand Lopez. I mean, to like there's no part of this that I don't like. And, and as you said, I've come to peace with the interim title bit. Getting fully upset about this because Francis Ngannou isn't fighting and the title is is unnecessary, I don't understand it. It's a tremendous fight. I am so in on it. I've been in on it since it was announced. It's a ten.
2: You make great points, Spencer. You talked about where both sides can Thank go you. from I here. No, it's—I mean—it's an important part of this fight because I mean, listen. It, yes, AK. What would you like
1: to say, my friend? <laughs> listen, all, listen. All to us, we work in the industry. All right, we look at these close-ups a little bit more. Uh, these these close-ups. Excuse me. These matchups a little bit closer than the common man. But here's the difference between myself and Spencer. I can relate to the common man. I, I uh, <laughs> it's, good. it's It's unfortunate this is audio only because people cannot see Spencer's setup right now. He's in a room, uh, it is, the walls are laced in gold. Uh, and as far as I know, this actual gold. He's dressed in a, just a glittery purple velour suit. He looks incredible, but does not look like a man who who can who can sort of again who who can view this matchup we're talking about now from the outside looking in? He's very much in the business. Uh, he's you know he's he's up in his ivory tower. He's throwing out tens. He's thrown out tens of these matchups because he has the luxury to do so. But for the average fan who's who has to be judicious with their money, with their time, uh, it, it's I understand how fair or not to the fighters involved when this was announced. It was still the 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 body of <laughs> such a morbid way of putting it. The body of the Iganu Jones fight that uh, is not to be for now was still was still fresh, was still warm. Uh, and mm-hmm. and 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 it's hard. and and I understand people who haven't shaken that. And I guess to me for myself, my score was also somewhat influenced by that. So I'm not I'm not again. unlike Spencer. I'm not above it. I can understand the feeling of disappointment, the feeling of, well, this should be. Uh, th- th- this fight shouldn't even – this should just be a number one contenders fight. Um, this fight maybe even shouldn't be happening yet. We should have seen Ngannou versus Jones or, or even the Nganu, uh lewis rematch. I'm not sure what the level of anticipation for that would be given their their first fight. But I, I, I'm just saying taking into account other people's perspectives, which Spencer may want to try someday, That uh, is that is the that is, that is the eight. That is where the eight comes from.
2: Spencer, I don't even know what to say right now. I am. Yeah, I mean, Spencer I mean, is draped in gold. Down, apparently, put AK's down your
1: Chardonnay. <laughs> put down your Chardonnay for a moment, and can you respond to? Yeah.
2: So, so first and foremost, if I'm
3: drinking any white wine, there's a couple great wineries out here that I really enjoy. More of a Pinot Grigio or a <laughs> a Pinot Grigio guy myself. There's also a nice dry oak Chablis that I enjoy. Oh my uh, goodness. But listen, man, one of, one of us works for a major corporation and one of us puts out a newsletter where three people pay for said newsletter. <laughs> so I mean, if we're talking who, who is the man of the people and who is the, who is the man <laughs> of the corporate, I think we got roles reversed here a little bit. I can totally see the disappointment. I can totally understand feeling frustration that this isn't happen, happening. I can just separate the two and feel both at the same time. I can acknowledge that I want Francis Ngannou and did so on Tuesday in writing a big long piece on that on said newsletter that three people pay to subscribe to, but many more have clicked to get in their email on a daily basis when I write it. So thank you to all of those people. That I wish Francis Ngannou was fighting. Of course I wish Francis Ngannou was fighting, but he's not, and this is what we have. Additionally, Mike's question was, how do you feel about this fight? this fight is amazing. The fights that aren't happening don't necessarily have to influence this fight. I can kind of put the two in their own columns and feel two things at once about these things. Whereas it seems like AK, okay, you just, you can't separate those things. And and you know, I, I hope at some point going forward, you're able to get to that point and, and acknowledge that this is a wonderful fight, that can exist in its own space and and doesn't have to be sullied by your frustration about Francis Ngannou and John Jones not fighting.
1: People, if you're not interested in this fight, which you should be, it's a good fight, but if you're not in love head over heels with this fight, like Spencer is, don't feel bad. Don't let this man guilt you into loving this fight and to necessarily having to watch this event. Okay. If you want to, more power to you. So it's, it's again, fine headliner, a lot of good fights on the card, I think, but again, that these people, these, I speak for. I speak for the people. It's not always easy. It's not always appreciated. Clearly, I speak for the people.
2: So, so let me try to decipher what we're saying here, A.K. Okay? Just, just, just so so people understand. So we got we got Spencer draped in with a room full of gold, drinking a. It looks it looks a amazing. Pino, a Pinot Grigio in a yes. tuxedo. You're over in the other side, drinking a Malbec with a monocle on, just speaking oh. for the common man. <laughs> like the way Spencer views this fight in your eyes is that Spencer is gonna go steady with this fight. He's gonna whine it. He's gonna dine it. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna he's, give a promise ring, it. then propose to this to, to this fight. You're just gonna take her out to dinner. And never call her again. Is, is, is that how you're looking at it? Like you're interested. You, you're definitely gonna definitely take her out no, for a date. Are you gonna lemon
1: law? Are you lemon lying this fight? A.K. Listen, listen. there's definitely no guarantees of a second date. Uh, look, I got B.K. I got B.K.F.C. eyeing me over there. I got, uh, I got you know, one championship's looking a little frisky sometimes. I'm just saying, I got other options for my, for my entertainment dollar. Uh, but obviously, of course, I'll be watching this fight. But I mean, you know, that's our that's our job.
2: Okay, Spencer, you 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 discussed before before we just went down a crazy road. <laughs> you discussed, like sort of the aftermath, like Derek Derek Lewis wins, we get the rematch, try to get the bad taste out of people's mouths from that awful first fight. Zero gone, tons of story, former teammate, both the ties to France, the coaching aspect. It's a big fight over there. Like the, the, the people of France who have been, just been hankering for a big fight. Like if somehow the UFC could do that fight in France, it would be absolutely gigantic. What's the better outcome for the UFC? A Derek Lewis win or a Cyril Gahn win?
3: I honestly don't think it matters. And that's that's the beauty of this to me. Like I think either way, you get a terrific fight provided we're, you know, putting Francis and in here with the winner as we rightfully should, but as we can't guarantee because, Crazy sh- crazy things happen all the time. But either way, like I, I understand that the first Lewis and Ganu fight was an absolute disaster. No one should go back and watch it again unless it's like as a penalty for something terrible you've done in your life. But I don't think anyone looks at these two set to fight again, especially if Derek comes off a Derek Lewis esque performance this weekend, and thinks we're going to get a repeat of that. They've both just been absolutely clobbering people since then. We know the circumstances that led up to it, with Derek having back issues that stemmed from his knee issues, which have subsequently been fixed, and he's 4-0 since then. Francis Ngannou was completely shook from the Stipe Miocic fight and didn't want to get embarrassed again and therefore couldn't pull the trigger. But they've both put those things behind them and been so dominant that I don't think you can really look at it and go, oh, this is gonna be terrible again. And then if Cyril Ghosn wins, I mean, the possibility of doing it in France, UFC wants big events, that will be a colossal event for them if they're able to pull that off. Bringing those two guys with ties to Paris over there for a heavyweight championship fight would be massive. There's not a lot of people, there's 14 people that have risen to the top of their division with undefeated records, the most recent being Israel Adesanya, can you imagine what kind of maybe not star potential because he doesn't have the same kind of gravitational pull as Francis and but how big and how great an accomplishment it is. If Cyril gone goes undefeated and in just over three years goes from making his debut to winning the UFC heavyweight title, like either way this plays out, we're getting a phenomenal fight. So unlike last week, where we talked about Bellator and, and everybody with that company secretly, quietly, in the back, behind everybody's backs, rooting for AJ McKee. I think the UFC looks at this and just goes, whatever happens is great as long as we get an interesting, entertaining fight where one of these guys comes away looking really good.
2: AK, what do you think? What's, what's better for business? And it's so fascinating that like just around two years ago, Cyril Gunn was fighting for the TKO Heavyweight Championship. Isn't that crazy, AK? Now we're talking North. about him in an interim title fight for the UFC two years and, like, two months later? It's absolutely insane that we're talking about this. So with that being said, what's the better case scenario for the UFC business-wise? Is it the Lewis getting the win? We could see Lewis and Gaṇu, and hopefully get that bad taste out of our mouths? Or is it in Nghosn versus Gone because... It just sounds good to say. We know we can create great hashtags out of that. And just the story that those two guys have.
1: Gone is a great story, as you said, uh, winning up here in Canada TKO the TKO promotion. All, I mean, if you watched him, he was showing flashes of what he could become. I and mean, he was clearly just a, a league above some of the guys who was fighting um, at TKO. But Derek Lewis winning a UFC title at Toyota Center in Houston, just that moment I don't know if you can put a price on it. It's a, he's he's already a star to some degree. It would take him up a notch. Not again, not to that super duper duper star mainstream level, but it takes him up a notch. And as cool as it would be for Gone to win and for them to go to France, I I don't know how far along they are with uh, with that being a possibility. Um, Obviously, it is something they would love to do. France has opened up uh, themselves to more MMA shows. They've had more pro-MMA shows. And they had their first official one earlier this year. It was either earlier this year or late last year. Either way, it it is happening. The gears are in motion for the UFC to go there someday. And and, uh, Cirocon would certainly be a good guy to headline it. But what we do know is the UFC does have a uh, multi-event deal with the Toyota Center in Houston. Derek Lewis wins. And here's what you do. He headlines every Toyota Center show uh, in the foreseeable future, uh, as long as this godforsaken pandemic lasts. Because again, I, I think well, you know, as far as we know, uh, like we said, Madison Square Garden might not be happening. If the UFC wants, if Dana White wants to stick to his plan of only sold-out arenas, uh, and with the exception of maybe if they go to Fight Island, then we're talking again. We're just talking Abu Dhabi, Florida, Texas, Vegas. Uh, the UFC Apex. That's it. The, the, the rotation of venues could be really, 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 really small. Um, and again, like we said, we know Toyota Center is one of them. They publicly announced that they are planning to have multiple events at this venue. You make uh, Derek Lewis the Toyota Center, the Houston man. It it it's, it, it sells itself. It's such a good way to, to to fill up these shows. What what a unique niche he could fill out for himself if the, if they were to, able to make that possible and get him on every every time they scheduled a Houston card. Um, and gosh, he's just such a such a fan favorite character. I think it's it's time for this last uh, for him to achieve this last part of of his uh, his combat sports journey and win a UFC title, interim or otherwise doesn't matter. It's a UFC title. And Gone, on the other hand, he, his time will come. His time will come. I think. I but I think the better, more immediate outcome is Lewis winning in in, in Houston. I think it'd just be incredible. Wait
2: a minute, AK. Are, are are you trying to say that the UFC should push a heavyweight champion to compete? In their hometown, in front of their hometown fans, to be made to look like a star? How dare you say something I, uh, so absurd. stupid? Absurd. Like, Stipe, absurd. like, I mean, I, I do you see how the UFC does business? Stipe just <laughs> only fought in Cleveland once, you turd. And now you want Derek Lewis to go to Houston every time and just oh be made to look like it's absolute massive star? Are you
1: crazy? Dana, is that you? Oh, my gosh. it's <laughs> Everything's matching up. The visual, the voice, the tone. I wish people could see it right now. <laughs> oh, God. I'm turning
2: red just like Dana, too. Uh, you are. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously. This, you know, I mean, listen, sarcasm is is, is a, at least a second language for me. But listen, Dana said the winner will fight Ganu. Division will go from there. Maybe to John Jones. Maybe to Stipe. Who the hell knows at this point? But what I do know is that we're going to see an interim heavyweight champion crowned on Saturday. And we're going to head to round four right now. So the point for round three goes to... Well, all points were great, I'm giving it to AK for making us think oh. a little bit deeper.
1: Believe in the system. I am Believe the worst in host. the scoring system and you will be rewarded. I always say this. I always say this. You know, If it doesn't go your way, shake it off. On to the next round and you will be rewarded. I, I say this all the time.
2: Uh, I almost You should have said on to the next one to plug the show, but I, I almost took the point back, but I'm not going to no, do no, that. No no no, no,
1: no, no. On to the next one.
0: Every Listen, Sunday.
2: Listen, for those who have been listening for 60-plus episodes, you already know where this is going, so don't worry about it. But the rest <laughs> of uh, the rest of this two, UFC 265 card is, is pretty interesting. We talked about the main card last week and the knockout round after we lost Nunes versus Pena, that Bantamweight title fight. We're going to play Guess the Bonus here on BTL here in round number four in the category Fight of the Night for UFC 265. So, Spencer, we will begin with you. This is not a, Hey, what's your favorite fight on the card kind of question. This is a straight up prediction. If I handed you 20 bucks and said, Spencer kite, put this 20 bucks on what fight will win fight of the night on Saturday. Where are you putting your 20 bucks and why?
3: So if anybody that watches UFC events, remembers, and and as they should, the UFC tends to like to concentrate those performance bonuses and those post fight awards on the main card which means we're looking at a main card fight. And in those main card fights, we have one gentleman that has taken home fight of the night in three of his last four fights. That man is Pedro Munoz. He is taking on Jose Aldo Jr. In the co-main event, the new co-main event, as of last week, in an all Brazilian battle, in a fight between guys that are separated by two days in age, Pedro Munoz being born, two days ahead of Jose Aldo, but that feel like they have to be seven to eight years apart given sort of their trajectory of their careers and and how you think of them now. But this to me is just an absolute banger of a fight. We saw Pedro Munoz earlier this year go out there and get into a trade leg kick, stand in the pocket, fight in a foam booth, grimy kind of battle that he absolutely loves against Jimmy Rivera. I talked to him about it earlier in the week. And I mean, to hear this guy the excitement in his voice when he talks about these kinds of fights of just getting in there and a guy that's going to go out there and mix it up with him. And I said, what do you expect from Jose Aldo? And he said, exactly that. Like, this is what we know of him. He likes to throw low kicks. He likes to work the body. He likes to strike. Yes, he's a black belt like me, but we just like to, you know, dig our feet in and trade. We saw that with Jose Aldo in his fight with Marlon Chito Vera earlier or at the end of last year, excuse me. And I think this is just the obvious candidate, given what we know of the UFC, how I think this fight plays out, and Pedro Munoz's track record of being one of the most consistently entertaining fighters on the UFC roster.
2: AK, there's a certain listener of our podcast who likes to remind me that you've had some spot-on predictions as of late. The way you broke down AJ McKee, Patricia Pitbull is almost like exactly how the fight played out in terms of like... The, the order of operations, if you will. So you've been pretty spot on with your predictions. So what is your prediction for the fight of the night this Saturday in Houston, Texas at UFC 265?
1: I'm a broken clock, Mike. I'm a broken clock. But thank you. Thank you for reminding uh, people that, I, again, twice a day, twice a day. Uh, it, it is hard to argue against the Aldo Munoz pick. It's, it's perfectly positioned as the co-main event. I almost wish... Um that this was a five-rounder. I almost wish that they that they were uh UFC was being a little more aggressive with kind of what they did with with Diaz and, and Leon Edwards. I get it, doesn't have the Diaz star power, sure. Um, but boy, Aldo Munoz, I'd love to see five rounds. That's the only shame of it. It's it's great, it's on a pay-per-view coming event. That's the only shame of it not being like a fight night main, is that we're not getting two more rounds. But I definitely expect that to be a great fight. However, also perfectly positioned, I think, is the featured prelim. Bobby Green and Raphael Uh, This was a fight, Mike. I think a lot of listeners r- like just really wanted on uh, on onto the next one. I'm the matchmaking. A lot of people called for it. It just made a lot of sense stylistically, uh, where they are in their careers. Bobby Green is a such a respected veteran. Fazeev, a relatively fresh name, a guy who's just getting his run in the UFC, and I think is going to start a run of fight of the nights slash performance of the nights. Uh, his his style is just so exciting. Uh, Again, really, whoever. I, I'm glad they just didn't overthink it. Like, what to do? Oh, what to do with this guy? Is he a contender? No, they just said, Bobby. They just thought Bobby Green would be a fun fight, and they're 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 definitely right. I mean, Bobby Green on his best day, yes, can be frustrating. Um, super talented guy, Mer- mercurial, the, the classic mercurial fighter. But when he's on, and I think a guy like Fazeev can push him to that level. Damn, there's just like there's just nobody. <laughs> there's just few guys that can match. Uh, how exciting this guy is in the stand-up fight. So I love that fight. I think it is going to steal the show. I think uh, there'll be some healthy competition for Fight of the Night. But at the end of the day, I do think people will remember uh, the Bobby Green-Faziv fight. I do expect it to go um, all three rounds. I, I can't even pick a winner. Like, I think Faziv, I'm sure, is probably a two-to-one favorite going in. But man, those are the situations where Bobby Green really thrives. And and I'm I'm excited that uh, that the people were right and the universe made this one come together. So there we go. I'm going to go with the, the featured prelim. On ESPN 2 slash ESPN plus
2: yeah that is a tremendous fight I spoke to Raphael Fazeev yesterday as a matter of fact Uh, that interview should be dropping shortly just one of my favorite interviews maybe ever because Raphael is like his English is getting better and he's just hilarious and his sense of humor is just is everything you hoped it would be and his prediction for the fight is just so dad jokey. It's like the rock and jungle cruise. Like, it's just amazing. Like, I was in tears with his fight prediction. So, uh, check out that interview. suit so Casey Kenny versus Song Yudong is such a sick fight. Uh, Manel K versus Ode Osborne. That amazing. fight is
1: ridiculous. Amazing.
2: That is a ridiculous fight. Must win for sure for the former Ryzen champion. So, there's a lot of good fights. There's there's, there's plenty of options.
1: Kisa Luke. Great clash That's of That's a styles. great fight too. Great clash of styles. I hope it goes to the ground a lot because Luke is Luke has been said in the interview, say, I'm, a, I'm an amazing grappler. He's like, I don't know why people think it's like, <laughs> like, there's like grappler versus like striker. It's like, I'm a ridiculous grappler, but they have very different styles of grappling. So, man, it could be so much fun. It's a, it's a, it's a good card. Yeah.
2: There's a lot. The, what, what, how many fights do we have on this thing? 12? 13? 13? There's 11 of these that could be Fight of the Night. Like, I feel confident that any of like 11 fights could be the Fight of the Night. It's ridiculous. but uh, there you go. Arguments have been made. We already know where this is going, so we're not going to do any bells and whistles. Spencer's going to get the point. (laughs) No. I mean, listen, he he, he went first. It was luck of the
1: draw, and plus he made a very compelling argument. Uh, This is bullcrap. This is bullcrap. Am I a bad judge, AK? I'm not going to make this personal. I'm just going to (laughs) say someone here is a a bad judge, and it's not Spencer, and it's not me. People can figure it out for themselves.
2: Casey is in Houston and can't defend himself. A.K. Okay? <laughs>
1: That's what I was talking about.
2: Yes. Yeah. But we're not. We're not. I, I have so many things to say about Casey. But anyways, we're gonna head to the round. <laughs> one question will decide it all. Each competitor will have one minute to give their response to said question. We don't have the benefit of a countdown clock for these guys to see, but I'm gonna keep track the old school way on my phone and on the timer on my computer screen. But once question has been answered, I will be the judge. I will be the jury. I apparently am the executive producer as well. I will render the final decision. So Spencer, you are the back-to-back winner. You're on the winning streak right now. You get the champion's prerogative. Are you going first? Are you passing it on to AK?
3: I'm going to pass it on. I'm, I'm going to learn from the mistake oh, oh, oh. AK made when uh, no. when we battled the first time. Oh, and 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 he can have this. Go ahead. Just like last Spencer, week, I set you. Go first. I set I you in, up for I this moment. Him. This is just going to be another
1: victory. So this is go, a, go ahead. Sir. How could you fall for my trap? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Spencer. The, your Thank trap you.
3: that produced two straight victories.
1: Oh, the overhead I mean, bicep pose, the second AK. One isn't, the second one isn't my fault, all right? The second one's not my <laughs> fault. I'm not taking the blame for that one.
2: Oh, man. All right. So here's the question, AK. For the last, I don't know, six or seven weeks, we have had this little tease going on from our friends at Bellator MMA who are coming off just a massive, massive night on Saturday. AJ McKee becomes a star. Everything they hoped for came true. A big weekend. Momentum like crazy. And then last night happened. Fedor Emelianenko's big comeback fight was announced, confirmed, by MMAfighting.com after an initial report from Tass. Fedor Emelianenko is fighting Timothy Johnson on his comeback fight in Russia when all these massive names got on the phone with Scott Coker and said, you know what, Scott? I want this fight. I'm a former UFC heavyweight champion. I'm a former Glory Grand Prix champion. I'm Jake Hager. I'm a former WWE champion. All these guys, all these guys with big names and big followings all wanted this fight. But Bellator said, you know what? I hear you, fans. I hear you, media members. We're giving you Timothy Johnson. So, AK, I'm going to give you the opportunity. I am Scott Coker right now. You are looking at me. I am Scott Coker. I am the guy who, whether or not, I may not be the matchmaker, but I'm the guy who puts the final stamp of approval on this idea. You have one minute to tell me what you think about this piece of business. Fedor versus Johnson. Russia versus the U.S. This is like Rocky IV all over again. AK, what do you want to say to me? One minute on the clock. Your time starts
1: now. Scott, I'm gonna tell you something. I feel you. I understand where you're coming from. I understand where are coming from. I understand where some of the complaints are coming from. I saw the people getting their getting their Twitter. Some people only saw this morning getting their Twitter fingers ready and you know, I'm making fun of oh oh uh, of all those people they could have picked. I did it with Timothy Johnson. All right, listen. I thought you did a great job uh, making that interim fight with Moldovsky and Timothy Johnson. I know it was kind of a weird situation, but hey, at least Tim jo- Timothy Johnson has that luster of technically recently competing for a Bellator title. But the other thing of it is this. Fedor's, listen, this is in Moscow. They they clearly, you, I say you, sorry, I'm talking to Scott over are clearly view this as a very, very winnable fight for Fedor Emelianenko, which, I mean, with respect to Tim Johnson, it is. It certainly is, Tim Johnson's a tough fighter. This is in Moscow, this is a oh, crowning homecoming moment. They're not looking for a competitive fight with with Verdum or Josh Burnett or whatever. They want to see Fedor come back and just win. And if that's what this matchup does. Ten seconds, then, sir, sir, you have nailed it. All right, let me tell you, something. you have nailed it. Anyone who can look at Fedor's career, it's not like he's faced killers up and down. There's been a lot of showcase fights. This is the next in a long line of those. Scott, I, 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 I commend you, sir. I commend you.
2: Wow. All right, full on babyface here. I'm just. I, I feel like you're about to. Super kick me and throw me through the barbershop window AK after that promo. Cause I don't know if I, I, I did. I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I thought we we're going to see a, a little more hostility from you, but you are the Prince of Positivity to so turn on over to the champion. E Spencer kite Spencer. I'm sure you're getting ready to call it a day. And you jump on Twitter and you see that Fedor's opponent has been announced. It is Timothy Johnson. It is not JDS. It is not Alistair Overeem. It is not Jake Hager. It is not Josh Barnett everyone's heavy favorite to get this fight. The one that everybody wanted to see stand across the cage from Fedor Emelianenko. Instead, we get Timothy Johnson. I am Scott Coker. You have one minute to tell me what you think about this book in good, bad, or indifferent. Your time, your one minute, starts right now.
3: Scott, I'm not going to beat around the bush. You screwed this up and you screwed this up bad. Listen, there's, there's a whole bunch of people that raised their hand to step in here and welcome Fedor back to the fold. And to go to Russia to welcome Fedor back to the fold where they have to know going in, they are going to get booed. If it goes to the judges, they are most likely going to get hosed. And yet they still raised their hand because they wanted the honor to share the cage with that man. I don't know that Tim Johnson was one of the people that raised his hand. He's not a big Twitter guy. He's not out there flexing the thumbs and putting his his intentions and his desires in the streets. But I know there were a lot of better options. And here's what I mean. Maybe you put him in there and it's a more competitive fight if it's Alistair Overy or Junior Dos Santos or Fabricio Verdun or somebody like that. But if it's Tim Johnson and Tim Johnson is the guy that goes out and beats Fedor in this seconds, You get no, like really this guy that couldn't win your interim title is gonna beat the big attraction at home at least give us somebody that we want to see that we're compelled to see, not Big Tim Johnson.
2: I still can't believe this is the fight we got. Like I it's mean, crazy until AK
1: Scott. Made... Don't waver, Scott. Don't waver now, Scott. Come on, you made this <laughs> fight, Scott. What do you What do you say, Scott? What are you saying?
2: Listen, I it, I'm going to speak as Scott Coker. Listen, I didn't make this fight. I didn't make it. My <laughs> matchmakers made it.
1: My God, matchmakers God. made it. That's why I hire these guys. <laughs> it two. <it too? laughs> It's who, Scott?
2: There's going to be so much finger pointing. Scott Coker's going to have carpal tunnel, man. Such a
3: weird matchup. Given the number of of people that wanted this fight, for it to be... And look, no disrespect to Tim Johnson, who is a sturdy heavyweight. Let's call him that. He is a a good heavyweight for Bellator. But he's the sixth guy I would have thought of for this fight just because you want to make it an event. You want to make it something. And and now you're going to say, hey, tune in for Fedor against Tim Johnson.
1: Wow. Tim Johnson, don't listen to all this, please. If you're on Twitter, get off. Get like I said, probably not on there, but if you decide yeah. like after months to just check like, oh, I wonder what people saying about me on social media. <laughs> don't do it. No vanity searching. Whatever it is, you did something to deserve this fight. All right, you did something. <laughs> so good for you. Don't you listen know to the haters. what
3: he did? He lost his last fight. That's what he did. Good. He lost his last fight, and that's Good. why he was Yeah, he, that, that was part
2: of it. Listen, I am sure we, we, we throw this out there. I'm pretending to be Scott Cooker. Let me tell you how this all worked, okay? Fedor Emelianenko made the pick himself. There's no doubt in my mind. He saw, yeah. his, he saw his guy put a beating on him, put the wood to Timothy Johnson. He said, you know what? I learned enough in that fight. I'm going to put the wood to this man, too. That's the guy I'm gonna fight. I would have, I would have rather seen Jake Hager get the fight because Jake's got more of a name, and Fedor will run his ass over. But more people would care. You know what I mean? It's nothing against Timothy. I like Timothy Johnson. Fun guy, fun fighter. Even, even, even the the, the loss. Like he was in there, he's talking trash in the empty arena and the studio setting. I dug it. I dug it. It was a fine fight. Just not the what I would have gone with. So maybe there's a there's a grander plan in place, but I tend to doubt that. But I don't
1: like where this is going.
2: <laughs> Why? No reason. <laughs> Why? What do you? What do you? What, you've been talking about how great of a judge I was, and now you're gonna.
1: Now you're I, questioning me. I have. This is true. You know what? This is true. Mike. You are an. Do, you are. You're do, an excellent judge. Do you, you see look, how you,
2: much this wavers? Do you Mike, see how much sway
3: there listen, is in, listen, in AK's feelings no, about your your abilities?
1: No, 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 no. Mike, Whereas one of I've us never, tends to
3: stay quiet and just let you do your job that I have full faith in you to do.
1: Mike, you're an excellent judge you look really good right now today i bet you smell amazing i obviously can't tell right now we're all in our own you know place i bet you smell amazing your personality second to none probably the best host uh uh, probably the the best mma debate game show host in the business today and i do not say that lightly i do not say that at least top three probably the best
2: i'm feeling for clumped right now
1: it's all. I I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean
2: it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do.
1: Do the right shall thing. We, sh-
3: shall we talk amongst ourselves?
2: <laughs>
1: I'll give Let's you a topic. Amongst, give us a topic.
3: The Partridge yes. Family. Neither partridges nor a family.
2: <laughs> Rhode Island. <laughs> not a road or an island. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what my initial thought was. Like as of as AK was making that speech, my initial thought was I was gonna pull the ultimate heel move, and. Ryan Seacrest all y'all and just say like you fans figure it out and I'll announce the winner next week before the triple threat match. <laughs> I was really pondering doing that. Cuz I mean what's the, what's the difference? You know what I yeah, mean? Like what's the Spencer difference? Would,
1: Spencer would have no chance though. So, yeah,
2: you you sure about that?
1: <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I'm very popular. I don't I don't, <laughs> want, I don't want to brag about it. I'm a very popular man. I'm just, gonna, I'm just being fair. I'm just saying it, it wouldn't be fair to Spencer. I'm a very popular man. I'm just saying. I'm very popular. Just because I, for,
2: for the sociological <laughs> experiment of all this, AK, I, I think we're going to have to go that route. Oh, no. I think we're going to have to go that route. You called my bluff. I, oh, I so did, man. I was like, there's no chance I'm going to do that. And then you made that speech. And I'm like, now I really want to know. Because it doesn't really matter. You're both going to be back fighting for the actual title next week in the triple threat match against Jed Mishu. So that's what we're going to do. A lame ending. And I'll take all the blame. You send all your complaints to me at Heck underscore JR. You got a problem? You let me know about it. But what I really want you to do is reach out, okay, and cast your vote. Who had the better, more compelling argument? Was it the very popular homecoming king, Alex K. Lee? Or was it the star quarterback, E. Spencer Kite we'll find out next week we'll see who will have the champion's prerogative and you know what I'm going to add a little sizzle to this steak how about this not only that but the winner who gets the most votes will automatically go to the finals in the triple threat match so the stakes have been raised to nobody's to just unbelievable levels so that's what's going to happen next week so that um, is delicious delicious there's so much. Yeah, it is delicious. It's we're getting ready for a big fight week. This is delicious. So this is what we're going to do for the for, for, because this is how we always end the show. I'm going to give each of you 30 seconds to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Let the fans know about some stuff. Give some wisdom. Spencer, Kite. we'll begin with you.
3: I just want to say thank you for having me. As always, it's a pleasure to come back here and, and defend my title, even though we're we're putting this victory out to the people. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you how popular I am. I'm not that popular. I'm kind of more of a, I'm kind of more of an anti-hero, but I am more so than Alex, a true man of the people, a guy that is out here conversing with everybody on Twitter. And so everybody, listen, win or lose, I'm back next week to take on both of these clowns and truly defend my title. But I think you know what to do. I think you know who won this battle. Alex knew this battle. That's why he started filibustering. (laughs) and telling Mike how wonderful he is. And listen, Mike is wonderful, but I don't need to tell Mike that at the end of a show because Mike knows that's how I feel. It's how I felt when we worked together at Fansided. It's how I have felt this entire time. It doesn't change with my performance on these shows. Mike Heck is a wonderful human being, full stop.
1: We filibustering? Hold on, filibustering? Let, let, wait, wait a minute now. wait a minute. Here's the skating? Hold on, hold on, here's... Let, I have a list of ten things I'd like to say. <laughs> oh, about, hold on, let, let me one second now before we go on. Arm hold bar! On. On. <laughs> Japanese arm bar. Okay, alright, alright, sorry. I'm sorry. About going. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: I know exactly what you're talking about. The Jericho list of submissions. <laughs> alright, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, like the greatest I thing ever. I <laughs> it's okay. It's like, it's like AK Spider-Man and... And Spencer's Batman. He's just No, he's, he's the what, silence mixed, behind the violence.
1: We've mixed so many metaphors today. I honestly I know. don't know who's doing am, or what's what now.
2: My brain hurts at this yeah. point after after this program. But what would you what would you like to say, AK? What would you like to say?
1: I, I will say today was a wild spirited <laughs> battle. It was it went in all kinds of directions. It's very very tough to follow, I think. I hope I hope uh, I hope anyone listening I hope anyone listening knows that beneath whatever happened today, I think we both made a lot of good points. I think there was I think there was some intelligent discourse in there. I accept my 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 part of the uh, you know, responsibility for, for taking this in some weird directions, but uh, but I'm confident too, Mike. I'm confident that uh, despite my record, despite my re- what my record shows, uh, I, I, I I'm, I'm a little bit better on the show um, you know, than it suggests. And I think my record would be even better if we had always gone to the people voting. And and the last thing I will say is uh it is my birthday today obviously and people you cannot how can you not if if you want to get me anything vote me as the winner of this week's between the links okay
2: Oh god what a show this has been mm. This has been an emotional roller coaster for us all I'll tell you what here's how you're going to cast your vote I mean you do it however you want cuz you you're not going to listen to me anyways but what I would prefer you to do is do just like your matchmaking suggestions on, on to the next one. Shoot me a DM on Instagram, M underscore Heck And we'll compile the votes that way. If you want to throw it out there on Twitter, go right ahead. I don't we'll we'll figure it out that way. But I can't what a what a start it's gonna to be to the triple threat match next week. We're gonna crown a champion. We're gonna have two we're gonna have two championships decided in one show. And that's what BTL is all about. Case back next week. We'll be live, we'll be on video, we'll be on YouTube, we'll be all over the place. So thank you for, for, for listening to the program this week, this all audio version. Thank you for sticking with us, for AK, for Spencer Kite. I am Mike Keck. Thank you for tuning into the program. I am rambling like crazy because my brain is fried after all these directions we're going. This is the Marsh Gammon of BTL. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.